We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Great God Almighty, change me. Amen. I love that video. If that offended you, get over it. Amen. Blame it on the transformation. Blame it on the transformation. Do you understand what the lyric in that song means? It says, when I met Jesus, something happened on the inside that affected the outside. Blame it on the transformation. Oh, I'm here to tell you, new never looks so good on you. Blame it on the transformation. This morning, we're starting a new series that deals with transformation. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, and we'll get there in just a few minutes and uh, dive into this message. We need to understand the whole crux of the gospel. The point of the gospel is transformation. It's not about saying a little prayer and saying, now I'm saved. It's not about, listen, it's not about joining a church. It's not about having a certificate saying, I've been baptized. The point of the gospel is transformation. You and I should be changed if we meet Jesus. If we're not, something's wrong. We've got to say, just blame it on the transformation. That's why I am acting the way I'm acting. That's why I'm different than I used to be, because I'm at a Christ who has changed me. When Mercy Me was here back in uh, November of last year, I asked Bart, the lead singer, I said, hey man, I want to do a series on transformation. Do you mind if I use your video to kick off that series? He's a fellow Okie, so what do you think he said? He said, go right ahead, bro, do whatever you want to do. That's fine with me. I love that song. I love that video because it tells us whenever Jesus comes into our heart, things should change on the outside. Oh, come on, folks. We should be shaking some things off that no longer belong in the kingdom of God. Blame it on the transformation. The book of Romans, I believe, is the Apostle Paul's greatest work. And it's a book that really deals with transformation. Transformation is a book that shows us, every one of us, are lawbreakers, and we need someone to help us. People object to that. I'm not a lawbreaker. I've never broken a law in my life. Really? You've never rolled through a stop sign? Lawbreaker. Really? You have never changed lanes without turning on your signal? Lawbreaker. You've never went 57 and a 55 lawbreaker. Every one of you lawbreakers. You've never gotten angry when you shouldn't have lawbreaker. You've never said something you shouldn't have said lawbreaker. You've never gossiped lawbreaker. You never ate too much. Oh, now I'm getting too personal. Lawbreaker. You've never yelled at the TV when FSU was down a gazillion to two. And said things that you didn't want your kids or your grandkids to repeat. And they say, uh-oh, you said a bad word. Lawbreaker. I'm here to tell you, every one of us are lawbreakers. Every one of us have transgressed against God. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that many times the world doesn't see a lot of change in people who claim to be Christians. And then they wonder, why should I bother? If our attitudes don't change, if our relationships and the way we deal with people don't change, if our actions don't change, 
if our speech doesn't change, if our mindset doesn't change, what is there to attract lost man to the kingdom of God? So let me say it one more time. Blame it on the transformation. It's all about being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ flowing in and through our lives. Now, I know it's human nature to fight change. None of us like change, right? We resist it with everything that is within us. Even when it's in our best interest, we fight change. Mark Twain says the only person that likes change is a wet baby. We can identify with that. Romans chapter 6 and 7 really set up Romans chapter 8. So I want to read a few verses for you from Romans 6 and 7 before we get to our text today. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Certainly not. There has to be transformation. How shall we who died to sin, live any longer in it. There has to be transformation. Look at verses 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Now, I don't know about you, but I only want to be a slave to one thing, and that's the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Not a slave to sin. Verse 7, for he who has died has been freed from sin. You see, when we come to the cross, the cross is an instrument of death. And when we come to the cross and we submit our lives to Jesus Christ, we are dying to the old man, and we're raising in resurrection life to a new man. We're dying to the carnal man, and we're raising in life to the spiritual man that God put within us. So Paul says it very clear, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Look at verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. What's he saying? He's saying there should be a transformation. There should be a transformation. Look down at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And if there is a word, a phrase, a verse that speaks to me, it is that verse. Oh, I come to tell you this morning, I've been transformed. I'm no longer a, a task, serving a taskmaster of sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am living in the grace of Jesus Christ. That should be good news to you and I today. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. And then look with me to verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? See, Paul is saying you're not supposed to be a slave to sin anymore. But if there isn't a transformation occurring in your life, if your attitudes, if your behaviors, if your thought processes, if your addictions... Don't change, you're still a slave to sin. You see, friend, it's not about saying a little prayer. It's about being transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. You want to know why people think there are so many hypocrites in the church? It's because we've forgotten about transformation and we've settled for a sinner's prayer. Love the way you're shouting now. It's all about transformation. Look at verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What do you want? Death or life? See, with transformation, we receive life and life everlasting. Turn over to chapter 7, read verses 14 through 19 with me. 
Well, the apostle says it this way, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. I was sold under sin. Every man, woman, boy, and girl walking in shoe leather has been sold under sin. No exceptions. Adam and Eve sold us out. You need to understand that. They sold us out. They ruined the plan of God. We're sold under sin. He goes on to say, for what I am doing, I do not understand. Paul is beginning a passage where he talks about the fact that there's a war going on within him. A war between the carnal man and the spiritual man. He's talking about his inability to allow transformation to flow through his life. Most of us can identify with that. Most of us can identify with the fact that sometimes the carnal nature wins over the spiritual nature. He goes on to say, what I will to do, what I want to do, I don't practice, I don't do. But what I hate, those things that are of the carnal man, when I was sold to sin, those things I do. If then I do what I will not do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now, listen to this, now it is no longer I who do it, the sin dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. Now this is not what pop psychology teaches you. It teaches you that we're all good, we're all wonderful, we're all great human beings. I've got news for you. Without Jesus Christ, we are destitute, despicable, and hell-bound. But with Him, oh, thanks for the grace of God. Thank you for the grace of God. He goes on to write, For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells, for to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will do I do not do, but the evil I will not do, that I practice. And then it concludes this discourse on the carnal man and the spiritual man in verse 24 and 25 when he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then I like verse 25 because the apostle doesn't leave us hopeless. He said, I thank God that it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hear me, church. It's not because you come to church. It's not because you do good works. It's not because you tithe and give offerings. It's not because everybody says you're a nice person. It's through Jesus Christ. There is only one way to come to that place where you are transformed, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm probably not going to read the entire passage, so just bear with me in CG. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, if you're in Christ, if you're a born-again believer, if God has forgiven you and cleansed you, then there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I'm going to stop right there this morning. We need to understand that we're a part of a society that's living under condemnation. We're a part of a world that is filled with lawbreakers. We're a part of a generation that is living under the curse of the law. And it's up to the church to break out of the condemnation, to rise above it, and to be a light in a darkened world. Folks, people need to know there's something different about you and there's something different about me. Bless Isaiah, bless his heart. He said, I was a nice guy. Most of you know that's not true. Most of you do. Let's just pull it back. 
But we need to understand the world needs to see something different about us. I don't want to be like every other preacher in the world. I want to be transformed. I don't want to be the guy who needs somebody to carry me a bottle of water and carry my jacket. I don't want to be the guy whose anointing is so fragile that I can't walk out on Main Street before service and shake a hand and love a neck and tell you I'm glad you're here because I serve a God who's greater than that and who has transformed me day by day. And I know and I understand that I can touch you. I can be a part of your life and God is going to bless me because I choose to do that. We need to understand we're living in a world that is filled with condemnation, with lawbreakers. The very word condemnation, it's in your outline, you can read it, means a statement or expression of very strong and definite criticism or disapproval. It means to censure. It means to blame. It means the state of being condemned. Condemnation. Look around you today and you say, why is the world so full of violence? Why is there so much racism and bigotry in the world today? Why is it that young Afro-American men are being killed by police officers and even killing themselves? It's because we're living in condemnation. It's because we're living under the curse of the law that we will never break free from outside of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's because the church has stopped talking about transformation and we talk about saying a sinner's prayer. Oh, come on, church. I'm going to get down in your business before we're done this morning. We need to know and understand this day and this age cannot be church as usual. It can't be your little religious ditties and go home feeling good about yourself. If we don't meet a living God, if we don't encounter a Holy Ghost, if we don't experience His power, if His presence doesn't get in us and we're transformed, we're wasting our time. I'd rather stay at home and sleep in then go to a church where God isn't present and where my life isn't challenged and convicted and I have an opportunity to change. We're living in a society that is under condemnation. We need to understand Black Lives Matter is a movement today because there is condemnation in that portion of our society. Don't get upset about it, but do something to change it. Come on, I'm sick and tired of people griping and moaning and complaining. Be filled with the presence of God and don't go do something that will change your community. Bring life to somebody who is surrounded by death. Bring hope to someone who has no hope whatsoever. You know, the big thing now are these athletes who refuse to stand for the national anthem. You know why they're doing that? Because they live under condemnation. They don't understand liberty and freedom that first comes through the spirit of the living God that then we experience as citizens of the United States of America. Folks, it's time to take the message of transformation to a world that desperately needs to be changed. Now, I told you I'm going to get personal and get in your business this morning. This church needs transformation. You may not want to say amen just yet. You might want to pull those toes back under your seats because I'm coming down your aisle. This church needs transformation because when I walk into that fellowship hall on Wednesday night, you know what I see? I see a table of African-Americans, a table of Hispanics, a table of whites, and never the twain shall meet. Folks, you can tell me we're a diverse church, and we are. 
We're about 50% African-American, 50% white. We have Hispanics and Asians, and bless God, I'm thankful there are Asians here this morning. Welcome into the presence of God. But you see, culture has defined church for us. Culture says, I'm going to sit with you because I look like you. And I'm comfortable with you. I have come today to shake that up. And I have come to tell you, if I walk in there one more Wednesday night and I see that mess, I'm going to start moving you, saying, get out, meet with somebody who doesn't look like you, get to know them, talk to them, express the love and the grace of God. Come on, church. Transformation only occurs if we choose to let it occur. Let me challenge you. You're not going to like this. I don't care. We're going to vote you out. Go ahead. I don't care. We're going back to Colorado where it's not 98% humidity and 122 degrees and it's not the first layer of hell when you come into Christian heritage. I'm just kidding. You all think you're hot. Try wearing a t-shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a suit jacket. That's hot. I lose five pounds every time I preach in this church. Now listen to me. Pastor Mike, by the way, you need to tell those folks if they can't cool the sanctuary, fire them and get somebody who can. Listen to me. You need to be intentional about transformation. And it starts in this church. How long has it been or have you ever? That's a better way to say it. Have you ever invited somebody into your home for dinner from a different race or ethnic group? Have you ever went to lunch with somebody from a different race or ethnic group. Transformation does not occur until we become intentional and allow God to transform us, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors, and it makes a difference in the world. You see, I challenge everybody in this place, all 350, 400 of you, that every month you seek somebody out who doesn't look like you. If you're white, you find an African-American or a Hispanic or an Asian, and you take them to lunch. And you break bread together. Do you know why the early church was so powerful? It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they went from house to house breaking bread and sharing fellowship. What does that mean? It means they got to know each other. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to get to know anybody when you come in 10 minutes late and leave when I give the altar call. Don't you come whining to me because you don't know anybody in this church. Man, you're not a nice guy. I told you. You've already been warned. You've got to be intentional. Make it a, I mean, write it down in your Bible. You should do this. Write it down in your Bible. I will every month go to lunch or dinner with somebody who doesn't look like me. I'm going to be intentional about transformation. Got news for you? This society isn't going to change until the church changes. This society isn't going to be transformed until the church is transformed. We need to understand that. Yvonne and I, we have zero prejudice in our lives. I won't tolerate it. You go down that road, I'm going to cut you off. Better be glad I don't punch you in the mouth. Because that's what I want to do. But thank God for grace and I'm not living in the carnal nature. Amen. We don't have a prejudiced bone in our body. Matter of fact, if we broke bread with you, if you shared a meal with Yvonne and I, whether in our home or in a restaurant or sitting at a table in the church, would you stand? If we've shared a meal with you, would you stand? Now, 
I want you to look around. There's every color and every race and every kind standing to their feet this morning. You see, we don't lead from the back. We lead from the front. I'm not asking you to do something that we don't do. We are intentional about rebuilding relationships. You may be seated with those around us. We want to know you. We want to be a part of your life. We want to know what makes you tick, what makes you happy, and what makes you sad. And when you're throwing a party, you better invite us. Come on. Transformation occurs when we become intentional. And if we never become intentional, it will never happen. Transformation occurs when you say, and I say, I'm sick and tired of the way things are. And when I read the Word, what I read doesn't measure up to what I see. So God, what do I have to do to make this Word powerful and effective in my life on a daily basis so that Dr. Nee knows I love her, so that Daniel knows I love him, so that Chris knows I love him, so that Jason and Wynn shall know I love them. What do I have to do to make that play out in our life? See, I'm convinced we can sit around and pat ourselves on the back because we're such a diverse church. The largest multi-ethnic church in Tallahassee when in fact we're just as divided racially as the world. You don't agree with that? Sit where I'm sitting, you will. Folks, it's time to be intentional about transformation. It's time that you pull down the barriers... And they're not just barriers that are rooted in southern tradition. They're barriers rooted in human nature because human nature wants to be with those that we are like. And the church has to become intentional about breaking that down. I'm not calling anyone a racist. I'm not calling anyone a bigot. I'm saying it's time to up your game. It's time to change the way you think and the way you react and, and, and interact with those around you. Stop living under condemnation. You see, when we embrace racial barriers, we're living under condemnation. Because the Bible tells me there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. We're all the same when we come to the cross. It really ticks me off. Really ticks me off. When there's a church down south of town called the White Baptist Church. That ticks me off. But it also ticks me off when there's a church all over town called the African American Methodist Episcopal Church. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that where the church of God is, it should look just like the community. There should be no racial barriers. There should be no racial boundaries. Transformation occurs, and we are changed. So I can walk up to Edry, whether I meet you in the foyer or out on the street, and I can put my arm around you, and I can say, you're my sister, and I love you, and I care for you, and I'm there for you. It doesn't matter who you are or the color of your skin. Transformation breaks barriers. You want to know why we're in such a mess as a nation? Because we have forgotten about transformation. The church has abandoned transformation. All we want is bigger numbers on our board. Folks, I'm here to tell you 37 people can get saved this morning by saying a sinner's prayer. But if we don't follow up, if they don't get discipled, if they don't become a part of the body of Christ, all we've done, all we've done is given them false hope. It's time for you and I to embrace transformation. 
I'm picking on the color issue because that is the one that is most glaring in our society today. There's a million other examples I could give you, but it's one we deal with every single day. It amazes me that our universities want to brag about their diversity, yet at the same time, there are cliques and groups and fashions that never cross paths with one another. Don't tell me that's diversity. That's simply you keeping score. That's simply you keeping score. I go to the mayor's faith luncheons. Now understand me, there's not much faith in those luncheons. Just not much at all. It's pretty secular and pretty carnal. But I go because I'm convinced God called Yvonne and I to Tallahassee to be agents of change and make a difference, not just in this church, but in this community. And I'm convinced if I'm the only white guy going to those meetings, it's okay. I don't care. It doesn't bother me because I'm on a God assignment. Glenn Burns and I went to the last one. Counted, there were 62 people in that room. Six of us were non-African American. Mr. Mayor, you're never going to bring reconciliation to Tallahassee until you invite the white pastors to these meetings. We need to understand it works both ways. Come on, shout with me now like you were shouting before. This is not a one-way street. We need to understand it runs both ways. And if you and I will be determined to be agents of change flowing through that transformation, God will change our city as he changes our church. And I know some of you are already saying it. You're just a bigot. No, I'm not. My people have endured more persecution and hardship than most have as a race. I'm a Cherokee Indian. Don't tell me about hardship. Let me tell you about the U.S. government taking thousands of us from North Carolina and Tennessee through the wintertime to Oklahoma where 6,000 died on the Trail of Tears. Don't tell me the government's against you. I know something about that. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time for you to forget the nonsense that has brought you to an attitude that somehow I'm persecuted, somehow I'm living under a curse, and it's time to step out of that and say, I've been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That old man is dead. There's a new man in me, and I can look at my brother, and I can look at my sister, and I can put my arms around you and love you to the end of the earth, because it's not about the color of your skin, but the content of your heart. We've got to understand transformation must occur first within us. Max Dupree said, we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Transformation must occur. We cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Now, I know, look, I'm a realist. I know that in the 20, 25 minutes that I've been preaching... 99% of you have drifted in and out. So you need to hear this. I know that it's simply the truth. You're checking your cell phone. You're sending text messages. You're looking at emails. You're reading another scripture. You're thinking about the ball game you've got to get out of here for so you can watch it this afternoon. Yeah, you are. Don't act like that. What? You're listening. Thank you. Dr. D's listening. 
We cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear that statement. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. I did a funeral yesterday for a member of this church, Charles Collins. Great African-American man, been coming here for a number of years. Left, and then when Yvonne and I came, he came back. Told his family, we just like that preacher. None of his family came, just Charles. So I met with the family earlier in the week, and we went over the details of the memorial service, and they said, we want you to do the graveside. No problem, I'm happy to do that. But you need to understand, I don't do that dust-to-dust, ashes-to-ashes stuff. I read from 1 Thessalonians 4, and I tell you, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to be with the Lord forever. I'm not leaving somebody hopeless at the graveside. I'm not going to tell them, oh, your skin worms are going to destroy your body. You're going to go back to dirt and dust, and that's all there is to it. No, friend, I got news for you. When I pass from this life to the next life, there better be shouting. There better be rejoicing. There better be a celebration because my faith has been completed. My hope is culminated. I'm in the presence of a mighty God and King. Don't you go down that old road with me. Matter of fact, you do. I'm going to rise up out of that casket and figure out what I'll do. <laughs> Laid it out for him. This is what I'm going to do. Oh, we love that. We're okay with that. Did the service here. Went to the graveside. There was another man with me, actually two bishops with me. I said, you going to do the committal? They said, no, no, no. You go ahead and do it. Got it covered. <laughs> Spoke words of encouragement. Gave them the word of God and the promise of Jesus Christ. What happens to the believer when we die? We're immediately in the presence of God. And one day, that physical body is going to be resurrected and united again with the Spirit. And so shall we ever be with the Lord forever. Took me about four minutes. I'm not long at funerals. Prayed. Turned it to the funeral director. And then I noticed something funky going on. I noticed the bishops didn't like what I'd just done. I noticed that they didn't think I'd committed him into the hand of God. And so all of a sudden, from dust you were born, from dust you shall return. And I'm thinking... God, this doesn't bother me because this isn't my problem. It doesn't bother Charles. It's not Charles's problem. If you're caught up in religious rhetoric, you need some transformation. Come on. You need some transformation. It's time to get that junk out of here. Very quickly. And I'll bring it to a close. Condemnation comes from the flesh. It's in your notes. The Greek word is sarx. It means external or human nature. Listen, folks, if you're living according to human nature, you're not walking in transformation. If you do what comes natural to the flesh, you're not living in transformation. Transformation enables you. To embody the grace of Jesus Christ and show grace to that low-down, dirty, rotten scoundrel who doesn't deserve a bit. That's what transformation does.
Transformation changes you so that your life will be a witness and a light to those who need to know Jesus Christ. When we live under condemnation as believers, it steals our sense of purpose. You know, I was shocked when it came to Tallahassee, and I found out that everybody who was serving thought they should be paid. Are you kidding me? Where's that in the Word? I don't get that. Ministry means service. And if we're going to be born again, spirit-filled believers, we need to learn to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and His church. To do the works of the ministry. Read it, Ephesians chapter 4. That's the model for ministry. It's interesting to me that I had to fight that. You see, because my job is not to pay you to show up on Sunday morning and do what God has already called you to do. My job is to teach you. My job is to train you. My job is to inspire you so that there is a fire in your belly that you cannot quench, that will not be silent, that you're chomping at the bit. Pastor, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And I can cut the rope and say, go do it. See, this is what I learned in Tallahassee, and it was other churches as well. Everybody had an idea for a ministry, but they wanted me to do it. Hey, folks, I got news for you. I've got enough jobs. I'm not looking for anything else to do. If God's speaking to you, he's speaking to you, not to me. So get up. Sometimes the okie comes out of me. You all know that. Get up off your lazy behind and do what God's telling you to do. Come on. Get involved in the work of the ministry. When this church member passed away last week, Yvonne and I were in Texas, I think. Carl and Lolly, will you stand up back there? Stand up, Carl and Lolly. They were right back there. They got the call through the office, and Carl and Lolly went over to these folks' house. They prayed with them. They consoled them. They counseled them. They encouraged them. That's ministry. That's ministry. When we came here, everybody and the brother on staff was getting paid, and we realized very quickly, that's not going to work. So we have shifted to a volunteer, I'm going to call it the New Testament model. Miss Katura, stand up. She serves our children in Kid Zone. She loves them. She prays over them. She pours into them because that's God's call upon your life. Ann Gleaton, stand up. She leads our missions department because that's God's call upon her life. Chris Anariva, stand up. He leads our college and young professionals because that's God's call upon his life. Daniel and Jessica, stand up. They lead our student ministries because that's God's call upon their life. Bill Eigner, stand up. He's our business manager. Doesn't make a dime. Spends three days in the office because that's God's call upon his life. Folks, I can go on and on and on and on because people have stepped up and said, I'm going to do what God's asking me to do. You see, when you get out from under condemnation, you return to your purpose. You return to your calling. But if you're living under condemnation, your purpose is obscured. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Can I tell you? Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit stand with me this morning please 
Well, I want you to roll that video one more time. I didn't know, but we're going to do it. This video says, blame it on the transformation. Oh, if God's speaking to your heart, come on, let's have transformation in this room this morning. If God's talking to you, step out and come. It's time to shake some things off and let transformation occur in your heart and in your life. Don't sit in that pew. Come and let him change you today. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.